Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, your journey, our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. Hello and welcome to AutoLine Daily. I'm Sean McElroy, but now let's move on to the day's top stories. Uh-oh, more bad news for Tesla. Earlier this week, we reported that the company's stock dropped after posting mixed third quarter results, and now it's dealing with another Model S fire. This is the third fire in just over a month involving the car. The latest incident occurred in Tennessee when a driver struck a tow hitch in the middle of the road which damaged the underbody and led to the fire. The government didn't investigate the previous fires, but now safety advocates are calling on NHTSA to look into the potential issue. Automakers are having a hard time connecting with younger buyers, but Ford says the Focus ST is helping to attract that demographic. So far this year, the company has sold about 12,000 STs and around a third of them are 35 or younger, compared with 22% for other Focus owners. Not only are ST buyers younger, they're more affluent. The average household income for a Focus ST owner is $127,000. Station wagons used to be quite popular in the American market, but it's pretty hard to find a new one these days. Actually, GM sells the CTS wagon, but it's pretty pricey and sells in very low volume. That's why GM's Mark Royce sees an opportunity to sell a full-size wagon for the middle of the market. He says it would not be rear-wheel drive and that it would have to hold at least five passengers. Royce says that GM has the platforms overseas it needs to do this and that the incremental cost of adding a wagon version to one of those cars would be next to nothing. You know, in our experience, when a top exec says he'd like to see a car, we end up seeing that car. Before any auto show, automakers seem willing to preview some of what it will be showing off, but always saves the good stuff to reveal at the show. And SEMA is no different. While we were there, we got a chance to check out what Chrysler and Mopar have in store for us. And its big news is, the brand will be bringing back its legendary shaker hood for the Hemi engine that was first introduced in 1970 and was displayed on the 2014 Challenger RT Shaker and Mopar 14 Challenger. But that was not the only upgrade to these tire burners. Both featured unique 20-inch wheels, performance-tuned suspension, and upgraded disc brakes, just to name a few. But the Mopar 14 does get a few more unique touches. The Challenger RT Shaker will hit showrooms in early 2014 with a price tag of just under $37,000, which is only $2,500 more than an RT Classic. And for $500 more, you can get the black satin stripes that run from the hood to the rear of the car. While the Mopar 14 Challenger will be available halfway through 2014, but no price has been released yet, and only 100 examples will be built. And to honor the 45th anniversary of its performance vehicle club, called the Scat Pack Club, Dodge announced new Scat Pack Performance Stage Kits for the 2014 Challenger, Charger, and Dart. The kits come in three different stages that range from cold air intakes to performance cylinder heads and will be available in spring of 2014. We will have a whole lot more of what we saw at the SEMA show in upcoming episodes. 
UAW President Bob King is set to retire next year, and yesterday the union nominated his replacement. Dennis Williams, who is currently the secretary-treasurer of the UAW, got the nod. Interestingly, Williams never worked at an auto factory, and he would be the first president to not have done so. If elected, Williams will take over as president when Bob King steps down in June. And speaking of the UAW, one of its big challenges is to add more members, and we'll take a peek into that coming up next. Here's one of the great things about the all-around performance of our jeweler tires. Excellent traction. Do you need a ladder? Yes, I do. Okay. At Bridgestone, our passion for performance knows no bounds. One of the big stories this year has been the UAW's attempt to organize Volkswagen employees at its Chattanooga, Tennessee plant. In the following clip from Autoline this week, Gary Klotz, a labor lawyer at Butts Along, explains what's going on behind the scenes of this effort. What they're trying to do is apply a German model to an American system of law, and it's, it's not a good fit. Mm -hmm. uh, the Works Council would be, under American labor law, a labor organization. Uh, and VW would be violating the law by assisting or dominating that labor organization unless it had a labor union that agreed to participate in it. That's the American legal hang-up for VW that's trying to sidestep. What it's really trying to do is engage in top-down union organizing by saying, we want to have a works council in uh, Chattanooga. We want to, we've identified the UAW uh, as our natural partner, according to VW, in March of, the, of this year. Uh, and they're helping the, uh, organize uh, the plant with the UAW. Uh, they, the, they are negotiating a, uh, an agreement for a works council. They may be negotiating a framework for a collective bargaining agreement, even though they have no relationship mm. with UAW. They don't really care what the employees want. They say that publicly, but what they want is to get a works council in that facility, even if it means bringing in UAW with or without uh, the solid support of the employees. Now this is why I brought you guys in, because this is where my knowledge is pretty thin. Isn't, under Volkswagen's Work Council organization, which is really part of German law, it's not just Volkswagen, obviously, the Works Councils do not, if my understanding is right, you do not bargain over wages and benefits. No, you no. only bargain over work rules and schedules and things like that. Is, is that correct? That's my understanding. Uh, but work rules and schedules and things like that are a big part of what American labor unions bargain about, a big part of the contents of any collective bargaining agreement. Uh, Volkswagen has publicly stated that the UAW has agreed to relinquish some of those responsibilities to a works council. So they are already uh, negotiating how can we make a works council mesh with an American collective bargaining agreement. Also joining John for that show is Robert Chiravelli from Strategic Labor and Human Resources and Sean McAlinden of the Center for Automotive Research. And as always, you can watch that entire show right now on our website, autoline.tv. But that's a wrap for today. Once again, I'm Sean McElroy. Thanks for watching, have a great weekend, and we hope to see you right back here on Monday.
Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.